Happy Friday. Welcome into uh, NSN Daily. Alex Margulies, Chris Murray. I'm Brian Samudio. A couple of guests on the show today. Uh, Cristiano Francois from uh, Reno 1868 FC. He's the USL reigning player of the week. We're going to talk to the Haitian native about his journey to the United States after that devastating earthquake in Haiti in 2010 and transitioning to a place where it's tough to find Haitian food, but his girlfriend helps him out with that. Uh, Former Nevada running back Stefan Jefferson, who had that incredible season his junior year he was number two in the the nation behind Kadeem Carey in rushing and uh, ended up declaring for the NFL draft his uh, journey kind of getting out of the doldrums of not being able to make the NFL and then becoming a philanthropist and now an author he's he's writing he's written a children's book so we'll talk with him Chris Murray's top 25 rankings the most important Wolfpack football players for the upcoming season continues with a, a defensive tackle coming in at number 16 and our money play of the week uh, Brent Richards, uh, his effort to beat the Las Vegas Lights, uh, Reno 1868 with a win down in Vegas. But uh, first off, road tripping, man, this has been an incredible journey for you, Alex. I know mentally, physically grinding. I, I, so many people don't realize how much goes on behind the scenes. You brought reinforcements with you this time with Brian Culpa, our drone pilot and director, and Anthony Resnick, our, our uber-talented producer, but the problem is, is that when you've got three different guys shooting, that's three <laughs> times the video you have to go through. Yeah, 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 exactly. And uh, it's funny, I saw some comments on Facebook. Somebody's like, does this guy just take vacations all summer? And I was like, I, I really wish uh, people could see what goes into these types of productions. It's okay, I don't take it personally. But, yeah. uh, you know, the idea that I just get to kind of prance around on camera without any uh, other involvement in doing these shows uh, is certainly not the case. But it, it's uh, this trip to Utah was was really – uh, incredible and, and you talked about the video and, and being able to have Anthony Resnick and Brian Culpa with me on this trip um, really enhanced the product of what we were able to do and, and it was awesome because you know this area of the country southwest Utah we went to Zion National Park it's just so breathtaking uh, you look at these big giant rock formations that come out of the ground then you go into Bryce Canyon and it goes the other way down into the ground on the edge of a plateau um, so we, we had such a great time capturing all of this video and this, this to me, it's, it's hard to pick out a highlight. You, know, you look back at that trip and all, everything we did was so cool. And I don't think I could say one was better than the other. But I will say this day uh, will probably be something that I'll never forget. You know, when I'm an 80-year-old guy kind of reminiscing about doing this road trip, I'll, I'll think about our first day at Zion National Park. We started the day with a four-mile hike up to the top of Zion National Park, uh, the 1,000 feet of elevation gain, and then – after about a 30-minute break, we ate a PB&J and, and chugged as much water as possible. We went straight down uh, to the Riverwalk section and began a six-mile journey through the Virgin River into uh, what is considered one of the top 10 hikes in the world. Let's check it out. Road Trippin' is sponsored by Sprad's RV and Christensen Automotive. National Geographic, as well as many other travel magazines, lists the Zion Narrows hike as one of the top 10 hikes in the world. The Zion Narrows is the grandfather of all slot canyons in the Southwest. It's one of the oldest canyons and one of the longest running ones. This specifically, is this 16 mile section of river corridor that has been carved anywhere from 800 feet to 2,000 feet through the plateau. 
and it was carved over millions and millions of years. Nothing else in the United States that compares to it. All right, we're about halfway to where we want to go here in the Narrows. The sun has finally gone beneath uh, the sandstone. This is already such a cool hike, and there's a couple things I'm really glad that we did. Zion Guru gave us these sticks that are specific for the Narrows. They're really key in helping navigate all the boulders and all the debris in the water, helping you from twisting an ankle. And then we've got these water-specific hiking shoes that have like these neoprene socks. Great soles, they've been really crucial helping us so far. We're having a great time. Can't wait to continue on. as you go deeper into the narrows, the walls start getting tighter and tighter. And something to consider is that the Virgin River is five million years old. And at its height, it was the size of the Mississippi. And so when you look up at these walls, this is actually, the Virgin River used to carve through this and that's why it exists the way that it does. Those floodwaters were carrying the limestone layers from up above and those limestone chunks of rock were acting like drill bits. And they were just hitting the walls and carving away at them. And as they carved away at these walls, they carved them deep, but also wide, collapsing or calving off the rock over these millions of years. In the end, we end up with a canyon corridor that's thousands of feet deep, yet only 40 to 50 feet wide, and its narrowest point is 22 feet wide. All right, I think that's about as far as we're gonna go on this journey, two miles upriver in total today. If you missed our previous segment on Scout Lookout, go check that out on our website, nevadasportsnet.com. 10 miles in total for me, my crew, Anthony Resnick and Brian Culpa, an amazing effort by them. And this has really just been an unbelievable showcase of Zion National Park. We'll have more of road tripping coming up as we continue on. Thanks to our friends from Sprad's RV. If you want to get into an RV or trailer this summer, go see them down on South Virginia Street. Till next time, I'm Alex Martins. Woo! Now, Chris, I have to ask you a question on this. Uh, what do you think would have been more trying? Uh, you road tripping with your son and daughter or Alex road tripping through uh, with this with uh, Brian and Rez? I mean, there's temperamental personalities on both sides here. We pull them all, but come on. Yeah, I'm going to say me with my kids. I mean, my kids are great kids, but they're like any brother and sister. They're going to bicker and fight. So uh, hopefully Rez and Culpa didn't do that. I'm sure you know, there might have been some trying moments, but I think, uh, you know, I'll take the adults over the kids in terms of, uh, you know, being out in the wilderness for a week. I am interested. So you said that you had to, you know, do a quick turnaround, 30 minutes in a PBJ before you had to do the second hike. Reading the story that you wrote for our website, it sounds like that was because you guys got about a two-hour late start. So who was responsible for the, the first hike being about two hours late? Julian, so the crazy, the, the cra yeah, exactly. We would have loved to have played Julian. The crazy thing is, so we were supposed to be like out the door by 7 a.m. Because this is like a 10-hour deal at least, and you want to have a break in between. So it's funny because – so I think Rez never set an alarm. I think he just relied on me and Culpa. But it was the weirdest thing ever – so both me and Colba set our alarms and neither of our alarms go off. And I turned over at like 8.30 and I was like, what the hell? 
And because we had gotten in really late the night before, so we didn't really get to bed until probably 12 or 1, and we were only going to get a couple hours of sleep anyways. And it was weird because I look at my phone, and it's like the alarm is going off, and it, it says like alarm, but there's no noise, and it's not vibrating. That's never happened before, and it hasn't happened since. It was so bizarre. So, um, you know, I guess it was technology kind of biting us on that one. And so from there, we had to to kind of scramble. And so we really didn't get into the park until like 10. Um, and we wanted to be there at seven. So we were three hours behind schedule. And so had we woken up early enough, we would have had a buffer in between the two hikes to kind of uh, maybe get a little bit more downtime, but um, we made it, you know, it was definitely a trying deal. I wasn't sure uh, if we were going to be able to accomplish it. And, and I, I kind of set a pretty aggressive uh, day there to, to try and knock out these two hikes in one day. Um, but kudos to those guys. Like I said, I mean, it, it was grueling. Uh, there's no doubt. I mean, to, to get that done. The funny thing is, is that, so we got to where we went in the narrows, uh, this, I think it was called floating rock. You could kind of see it there at the end. And that was our marker that was given to us, uh, by Zion guru, the outfitter there in Zion, Jonathan Zambella. He said, okay, try and get to this marking. But we also had to get his bikes back by eight o'clock. And the night before we gotten in late and he had to keep his store open. So I really didn't want to have to like keep, have him keep his store open past eight o'clock again because of us. So I think it took us like maybe three and a half hours to hike in, you know, cause we're filming the entire time. We're taking our time, all that. It took us three and a half hours to get in. And by the time we got to this like floating rock, I think it was like five 30. So we knew we were going to have to hustle in order to get not only back from that hike, but then ride the bikes another 10 miles uh, back into Springfield, Springdale. Um, but somehow uh, without filming, it's, it's a whole other deal. I think the, the hike back through the river took us an hour and it was like charged. I mean, I've never seen like res and Culpa on the way there, you know, they're filming, they're worried about the gear. Like we put the cameras away and, and res was like back in football mode, man. Like he was, <laughs> He, he was setting – the pace he set on that hike back was was really impressive, and uh, Culpa was not far behind him because it was on the way there, I, I was setting the pace, and I kept having to kind of wait for them. I was like, all right, come on. You know, I was trying to set, like, a, a good speed to get there in time, but I was definitely dragging on the way back for sure. I think I, I ran out of gas. Oh, the glamorous life behind the scenes of a television journalist. But if you want to check it out, Road Trip in the segment continues. It's on – our website, nevadasportsnet.com. And Alex, get ready for another trip coming up shortly. Going to take us to Yellowstone National Park, among other beautiful places that you can you can take. You can go on a day drive and get there. It, it can happen. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, he's the USL reigning player of the week, Cristiano Francois of Reno 1868 FC. will join us here on the show. Welcome back here to NSN Daily. Reno 1868 FC is uh, back in action at Greater Nevada Field on Saturday. And joining us right now, how about the USL Player of the Week, Cristiano Francois, joining us. And, uh, Cristiano, I just have to ask you, what's it like to be able to get back on the pitch with your teammates and actually play? Yeah, it felt, it felt great, you know. That's something we've been, we've been waiting on. So when we had the chance to come back, you know, to play a couple games, it was, it was really nice and good. We were feeling good about it, yeah. You had uh, you scored twice. You had an assist in your last two games there, two victories. What was just working so well for you, do you think, um, just personally and then as a team these last week, this last week or so? 
Yeah, I think it's the, it's the you know, the teamwork because we've been, we've been training. Even we were quarantined, we were still training, you know, like do like a individual stuff. So that helped us a lot to stay fit. And then when we had the chance to play, you know, like we, we, we went there to Portland and, and, and Vegas, we, we, we put a show there. We wish, we wish we were really, really good. So that's something we've been working on as a team. Yeah, it was really good. Cristiano, you've been around, man. I mean, you played at the University of Maryland. You played for Rochester. You played at Ottawa, now Reno. Um, what's it been like for you living this dream of being able to play professional soccer? That, that, that has been, it's been great. You know, that's something since I was a kid, you know, growing up in 80, that's, that's my dream to play professional soccer, play soccer, professional soccer. So it didn't it happen in 80, like, but it didn't happen in 80, my bad. So, but when I came to the U.S., I had the chance to, you know, to play high school in the U.S. and play college in the U.S. And then I, I signed my first professional contract with DC United. That was a great, great thing that happened. I thank God for that. So that's something I was looking forward to. What was it like just then also playing soccer over in Canada and then transitioning back to the U.S. here? Yeah, it was, it was kind of like, you know, because I've been traveling a lot. So it was kind of like some, because in Canada, it was like, the, you know, it's a new country, you know, you have to meet new people. So it was, it was a little bit, a little bit hard, but, you know, I think that I get along pretty well with the guys. And then, you know, the transition to the U.S. is like, you know, I've been to the U.S. for almost like 10 years now. So it was easy for me. Yeah. That's where uh, Cristiano picked up the accent was in Canada. No, uh -huh. no. Uh, you, are a, you are a native of Haiti, uh, moved here after that devastating earthquake in 2010. I can only imagine, I can't even imagine having that happen. Can you describe, I hate to bring up a bad memory, but describe what it was like to be there during that event. Yeah, it was tough, you know, like when I was, I was, I was in Haiti at the time and then, you know, training with my team, you know, like get ready because I, I was named like young player of the year in AD. So I was like, you know, the, the, the league in AD was started about to start. And then I was on the field with my, with my teammate when that happened. But, you know, that's something it was like terrible, you know, like we didn't expect that to happen. I lost a lot of friends, you know, that it was tough. Like when I came to the, when I had the chance uh, to come to the US, but in AD it was very, very hard, like, you know, because of the earthquake. What's been the message from head coach Ian Russell just to bring the momentum that you guys have had um, from these last two wins into Saturday now for your home home opener? Yeah, Ian, you know he's a good he's a great coach to have. As a player, you wanna have someone who wanna like you 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 want to learn from. You know what I mean? He was a soccer player. Now he's a coach. He he he, he used to play the same the same position as me. So I always I ask question. I always ask him question how he wants me to play. You know, it makes my game very easy because I don't I didn't have that in the in the past. But uh, working with Ian is very easy, and then I learn a lot of things while I'm here. Cristiano Francois from Rio 1868 FC joining us here on NSN Daily. Uh, Cristiano, uh, we've had we've seen players come from Jamaica and play for Reno 1868. I'm not sure they've had a, a player from Haiti. Uh, going to Reno, how do you find good Haitian food in Reno? You have to cook it yourself. Yeah, uh, I had to. I had to. My my girlfriend actually, she's 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 she always make my food. So you know, so I couldn't find any Haitian food in in Reno because I, I there's no Caribbean food in Reno. So I had to. We had to do it ourselves. Yeah. So you always have a good meal then when you come home after practice or games, right? Yeah, you, yeah, always, yeah.
Yeah. <laughs> um, I have to ask, how's it been just the last couple of weeks? I mean, when you guys played your friendly at Greater Nevada Field back in February, there were fans. What's it been like just the last few weeks playing games with no fans in the stands and having to bring your own energy and not having the crowd to feed off of? Yeah, it's, it's not easy to play without fans, you know, because you, I, the fans are like the 12th player, you know, like when you hear them, like, uh, you know, like when they, when they, you, you hear them, like you, that gives you more strength to keep going, you know, but playing without fans is very different. But, you know, we know they're watching, so we still have to do what we got to do. It's like, it's like putting more work on the field to make them happy. I know it's been difficult with the pandemic. A lot of us are stuck at home. Christiana, have you been able to experience any of Reno and, and what the city has to offer? I've been a couple places in Reno, so I've, I've been by the water and stuff like that, downtown Reno. But, you know, I feel like there would be more activities if, if it wasn't for the pandemic. So I'm, I'm, hopefully I got to stay in Reno for more years and then, you know, God willing. What were your first thoughts of this area and of Reno, northern Nevada, when you did arrive? When I arrive, I feel I, I because I've been to many so to some so many places, you know. Because I have couple friends who play for Reno before. They told me I'm, I was gonna like it, you know. It's a nice city, like yeah. So when I came, I I'm still I still here, and then like I like I like what I what I seen yeah so far. Yeah. When you're not on the pitch, and so many players have to find another outlet, a hobby or something. Ian Russell is a fly fisherman, very avid fisherman. What do you do? What uh, what gets your mind away from the game? Yeah, I just go by the water, you know. Sometimes I watch a soccer video and watch Netflix and stuff like that. Sometimes I hang out with my teammates, even the, the pandemic is like, you know, it's very serious. But sometimes we hang out together, you know, yeah. Did you binge watch anything fun the last couple months when you had some downtime? Yeah, yeah. I've been, I've been trying to learn Spanish. Uh, and then I watch a couple Netflix uh, TV shows, yeah. So I think it's been so good, yeah, so far, yeah. Have you been able to see Lake Tahoe? No, I haven't. I haven't been there, but I'm 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 wi I'm willing to to go there soon. Yeah. Somebody's got to give him a ride. Take him to Lake Tahoe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you have to go with your girlfriend and check it out. We definitely will try to go there. Yeah, I heard it's nice. Very nice. Yeah. Well, it's going to be Reno 1868 against the Tacoma Defiance uh, 7:30 on Saturday night. Uh, Ernie, early scouting report on Tacoma. What do you expect out of them? Tacoma, yeah, they are a very good team. They have a lot of young players. They're very competitive. I think it's an easy game that we we need to focus on right now. We need to, like, you know, give our best on Saturday because the last time we played them at, at their home, it, was, it wasn't an easy game. But with our hard work, we make it easy. But I think they're going to come up hard for us on Saturday. But we just have to play good and, and win the game. You can catch that game live right here on Nevada Sports and at 7.30 PM, Cristiano Francois, kind enough to spend some time with us, the reigning USL Player of the Week. Cristiano, stay healthy, and we'll see you on the pitch on Saturday. All right, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. We'll have much more coming up here on NSN Daily right after this. Chris Murray's Top 25 Countdown of the most important Wolfpack football players uh, this fall uh, continues. And number 16, it's a big defensive tackle, Chris Green. I mean, Chris uh, – Chris Green is an absolute cement truck at defensive tackle. And if you are trying to run the ball up the middle against Nevada this year, uh, it's going to be tough with him, Don Peterson, and a couple other guys that are, uh, that are just absolute monsters in the trenches. 
Yeah, he's probably not going to put up huge numbers, but he is going to have a very important role as Nevada tries and contains the run game. I think that's something that Jay Norvell and his staff have done a tremendous job of doing. When he got this job, Nevada ranked last in the nation in yards allowed per game on the ground defensively. Uh, and since he's taken it over, that first year was a little touch and go as he tried and rebuilt that defensive line. But the last two years, they've been very strong against the run. And that's because of guys like Halsia Sakona uh, and Chris Green, who don't get a lot of headlines because they don't get a lot of tackles. And they don't get a lot of sacks, but they do soak up a lot of blocks, which free up uh, linebackers and free up Dominic Peterson and Sam Hammond to go do their thing. So, uh, you know, you got a 300 pounder down there. And with Halsia Sakona, a four year starter, leaving the program after graduating, Chris Green's kind of the next in line. This is a guy who played as a true freshman in the trenches, which is not easy to do. He came in the same year as Dom Peterson, Dom redshirted, and they thought Chris was ready to play. So this is already his fourth year, his senior season at Nevada, and he's going to be a very big key to making sure that Nevada's run defense is strong uh, and fit this season and that they're limiting opponents who are trying to gas them up the middle. Alex, being a former offensive lineman yourself, if I'm lining up and I'm seeing Chris Green across from me, I'm tapping the guy next to me going, I'm going to need some help with this guy. He's huge, and he's been huge since he showed up on campus as a true freshman. It's impressive how uh, large he is. And this is the exact kind of size that Jay Norvell wanted when he took over the program. He talked about uh, a big glaring need for his team when he, he showed up, his size in particular on the defensive line. And so when you look at some of the big bodies like Chris Green and Don Peterson and, and uh, uh, you, you get uh, um, the host of other guys that are out there, uh, Sam Hammonds. I mean, there's some big size on that defensive line now. And when you line up and play football against Nevada on their defensive front, you're going to have your hands full. And, and uh, those guys are going to be able to wear you out. And, and uh, I think that's part of the plan. And, and hopefully that's something that will work out, that they are able to, to wear down other teams' offensive lines uh, with their size and with their physicality. Yeah, we had uh, Jay Norvell on in a press conference earlier this week. And then we did a an, a, an exclusive interview with him as well. But we kind of joked with him. I said, what are you feeding your tight ends? I mean, you get Reagan Roberson, Krishan Lappin, and uh, Henry Ikahihifo, who combined for over 750 pounds at tight end. And uh, he said, Brian, we just we had to get these guys bigger. And uh, Matt Money uh, addressed it as well, is that these are guys that we were playing two years ago as freshmen. And all those kids are becoming men, and they're becoming juniors and seniors, and they're growing into their frames. It's two, three years in a Division One weight room and, and getting that sort of uh, that sort of training and that sort of nutrition and that sort of understanding of taking care of your body and it was uh, Jason joked about having the, the, the whole eat to win attitude and uh, yeah those guys those three tight ends have definitely been been throwing the beef back or something but they've been eating well uh, Chris we're in our top 15 now what kind of a trend do you see in the top 15 uh, I think it's pretty even. I tried to balance it out between uh, offensive players and defensive players. There's also a, a kicker that some might know that's up there in the top 10 or so, considering how important he was last year. But um, yeah, uh, the one thing I have noticed doing these first 10 or so is a lot of these guys haven't played a lot of snaps, actually, because one of the lines that I put in there is career stats at Nevada. And, um, you know, it's kind of showing that some people are going to have to step up into bigger roles than they've ever had at Nevada. Once we get into the top 15, it's going to be guys who are multiple year starter starters, your Romeo Dubs, your Elijah Cooks, uh, your Lawson Halls, guys of that nature. But uh, up to this point, it definitely is people who are, you know, have to go out there and prove that they can be good FBS football players over 60 or 70 snaps in a game. So, uh, you know, it's been a fun list to put together, and hopefully this is all leading to a season. We all hope that there is a 2020 football season. But, um, you know, certainly on the defensive line, when you look at, uh, you know, this group with Chris Green, it's a veteran group. I mean, you have Don Peterson, who's a junior, but everybody around him is a senior. Chris Green, uh, Cam Toomer, Tristan Nichols. 
uh, you know, Sam Hammond. This is a very old group, whereas the back seven is more young. And that's why this group has to be especially good, because not only are they older, they've already proven that they can play at this level as well. So that defensive line is going to be a huge key uh, to whether Nevada's defense can take a step forward, as it has three new position coaches, a new defensive uh, coordinator, and they're really trying to make a push to make that group stronger with a lot of the changes in the offseason with the coaching staff. One last thing to touch on your point of, uh, yeah, guys that don't have a ton of snaps, maybe in this 16 through 25, that's kind of nature of the beast when it comes to college football sometimes is, is that you're expecting this person to be really good eventually. And because there's been guys that have earned that job ahead of them, you know, like a Giovanni Miranda, we've been hearing about him for a couple of years now. And finally, Gabriel Sewell graduates, uh, Lucas Weber graduates, and now Gio, uh, Gio's going to have to step in and be that guy. Melkon Stovall who they are, are raving about, uh, is going to be stepping in and, and being a, another target there, Alex. Um, that's what's exciting to me is being able to see these guys, and maybe it's a number you're not crazy familiar with if you're a casual fan, but finally step up and get their names called. Yeah, and that's one of the exciting things about college football is just seeing these kids come in, and you always hear about them coming in as true freshmen, and, and then you you know get to watch them develop and get bigger and stronger, and then finally see them hit the football field and figure out, all right, you know, where does this kid stack up compared to where we thought he was going to be from high school? And, and um, you know, we talked about somebody yesterday and Aaron Frost and the fact that, you know, he's a guy that's had, had to take some major reps as a freshman and sophomore, and now he's a junior, and what can he do now? And, and so I think there's a big handful of those guys that are now upperclassmen on this team, and now it's their chance to, to kind of stamp their name uh, in, in Nevada history and, and try and do something special. Yeah, if you want to check out Chris's full write-up, Number 16 on the, on the list of 25, Chris Green. Go to our website, that's nevadasportsnet.com. Coming up after the break, former Nevada running back, it's turn now author and philanthropist, Stefan Jefferson will join us here on the show. Welcome back to NSN Daily. A familiar face joining us here on the show. Uh, we're reminiscing about his career at Nevada uh, at Mackey Stadium as we were getting ready to tape here. Stefan Jefferson joining us. And uh, if you... If you don't remember Stephon Jefferson, you're not a Wolfpack fan because, come on, that magical season he had his junior year, over 1,800 yards uh, rushing, almost 1,900 yards. He had, uh, let me look, 24 touchdowns, 375 carries. Can you tell me, Stephon, before we get into what you're doing now and uh, Gratis Gibbs, you're working at the at that company here in Reno, can you tell me how you felt after a game, man? <laughs> man well after a game I you know I was, I was definitely tired but uh, it was a uh, it was it was fun I had an amazing amazing uh, last year that I was there and just like the whole the my time there from 2009 until my last year there I I enjoyed it and you know I prepared myself I prepared myself for that last season to be able to take on that role uh, to to carry the rock you know and to um, have that many carries in a game so yeah it's uh it was it was a, a fun fun time and then a fun, uh, fun fun memory before we get into what you are doing now too i have to ask since we're talking about football can you tell us one of your favorite stories uh with coach alt um okay uh <laughs> yeah favorite story man it's you know i this story will never get old because i uh this is what sparked my, you know, my, my season, my last season there. So it were, it was the season before uh, 2012, 2012, 2013 season. And it was the last game of the year we were playing against Idaho. 
And I actually, you know, it was funny because me and Coach Alt got into it and he ended up kicking me off the field. And I remember that and I, that when he did that, it changed everything for me. It made me uh, really realize, you know, I, I need to, to really prove him wrong and, and be the best back that I can possibly be. So even though it was a, it was a, a, a crazy situation, but that situation turned into an amazing season for me. Stefan Jefferson joining us here on uh, NSN Daily. He's uh, moved on into, into a, a great a career helping people. It's really been all I've seen when it comes to your Twitter, positivity in life and, and, and giving back and that sort of thing. And you've become an author. So we'll talk about the book in a second. But uh, Gratis Gives, uh, where you're working right now, can you tell me about that organization? Yeah. So uh, basically what we do here at Gratis Gives is we help build bridges between uh, local businesses and local nonprofits. And it's really quite simple how we do that. We uh, basically, we get rid of those, we identify the unnecessary funds that these business owners are sick of paying through their credit card account. And we use that to help the, to help nonprofits and create a system where that they can be able to give back, but also you know, save money. So it's uh, and through merchant services. So it's a, it's a really cool opportunity that I've been here. And this, this company does a lot of work with these nonprofits here in, uh, in Northern Nevada. Very cool. Very cool. Um, and getting into your book a little bit, uh, the adventures of Luxton, the world changer, tell us about it and what inspired you to write it. Uh, yeah. So I, uh, it was back a couple years ago, I had a, I heard this sermon. I was at church and I heard this sermon and it was talking about oversight. And what oversight is, is uh, it's basically having management over your situation, over your, your gift, uh, just having management over something. And it really resonated with me because I look back in my career at Nevada and you know trying to do the whole um, professional route, I didn't really have oversight over that. You know, because I if I had if I properly managed you know, what I want to do, I'd be playing, I'd probably be playing in the NFL right now, having a, 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 you know, a long career, but I didn't do the things that I, I, I should have done to, to be able to do that. So I was like, man, that, that, this sermon just hit me right to my core. And at the time, my wife and I, we were, uh, we found out that we were having uh, our first child. And I was like, man, I got to make sure I got to do something for my, for my, uh, my son or daughter. And I got to make sure to write a book. And I wanted to write them a like a wisdom book, uh, trying to basically give them everything that I wish I could have done uh, so that they have, a, you know, they have some wisdom and stuff that they can get through life. And it was going to be a nonfiction book for like high school. But then I decided, you know, what, I'm going to write a, a children's book and, and start them off young. And I started writing it and I ended up uh, coming up with a story about leadership. And that's kind of how. Uh, this whole book came about after, and it was funny because shortly after we found out we were having um, our son, I read this book called Taking uh, Take Charge by M Dr. Miles Monroe. And that really showed me what my gift was. And my gift is really helping people find and serve their gift. And that's what this whole book is about, helping people find and serve their gift. Former Wolfpack running back, uh, Stefan Jefferson, joining us here on NSN Daily. Stefan, how can people read the book, purchase the book? How can they find it? Uh, so right now, it's going to be uh, through Amazon and Barnes and & Nobles. And eventually, it will be in the online for Walmart and uh, Books A Million and Books Dispensary. 
and uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, Scholastics. Nice. Very cool. Why do you think leadership is just so important and to teach that at such a young age? I mean, being a former student athlete and now working in the real world, how have you been able to transfer what you learned on the field into your career today? Um, so being in, you know, in a sports situation or playing with, uh, for Nevada, you know, we get our identity wrapped up in football. You know, when I was playing football, that's all I knew. And it really, um, it really challenged me when I got cut from the Tennessee Titans. I waited a long time to get re-signed to the Calgary Stampeders. And I, during that time, I was struggling. I was, I was going through an identity crisis because I was just like, all I know is football. All I know, this is what, this is what I was doing for the, for, you know, from middle school all the way up to high school into college. And I didn't know anything else. So I, you know, I was trying to find out like, what, what am I missing here? Like, what, what do I need to do to, to, uh, to feel fulfilled, even though that football is uh, over for me. And I, uh, like I said, I read that book, uh, take charge, uh, finding the leader within yourself. And, that really opened up what leadership meant, meant to me because I thought leadership was all about power and, you know, uh, having a certain level of position. And once I found out, I was like, leadership is about finding and serving your gift. So I always tell this to people. I say, if you want to be, if a child wants to be a dentist or say uh, they want to do, they want to be a doctor or whatever they want to be, how would you serve that gift? And they would they tell me they don't know and i said well you got to serve that gift by make, making te- uh, making people's teeth the best that they can be or me- helping people with their injuries or whatever it is whatever your career is serve that and serve it to your best ab- uh, ability stefan jefferson former wolfpack running back joining us here on nsn daily stefan before we let you go um i have to ask you about that transition you know what do you think you learned about yourself in those times after your professional career to finding the next step in your journey of life? Um, what I found out about myself is uh, I, I've been through, a, a, you know, my, my whole life story. I can, I can be on this, uh, this interview for hours talking about my life story, but what I found out about myself is that whatever I want to do, whatever you, whatever I want to do in life or whatever somebody wants to do, you know, give it, give it your all, give it your all. And when you give it your all, then everything is going to work out. And that's what I've I've learned, you know, and that's why I truly believe the the way my life has uh, planned out up till now has, it's because of, you know, this message that I'm trying to get to people is that, listen, I didn't have oversight over my, over my, my gift that I thought was, you know, playing football at the next level. I didn't have proper oversight over that, but you can have oversight. You can have oversight over your biggest dream, you know, being a, a professional athlete, being a, just a, a person in the workforce in the professional field, you can have oversight over that. Very wise words, Stefan. We really appreciate your time. Thanks so much and for whatever, for everything that you guys do over there at uh, Gratis Gives. I, I might send you to a logo designer to paint that Nevada blue right there. That's where I get blue. <laughs> I might have to get with, I might have to get with them and, and make that blue. It's uh, all you one click. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I have to do that. But I want to say thank you. Uh, also, uh, my my biggest supporter is my my wife, and I want to thank her. Uh, thank Empire Publishing for the book. 
Um, I want to thank Shannon too. You guys, I'm sure you guys know Shannon. And uh, I just want to thank all my ambassadors that are helping me out with this book and, and getting this message out. We appreciate it. Thanks very much. And uh, I hope this is the first of many, you know, I, oh. I, I really do. I hope it is. Yeah, it is. This is, uh, this is the beginning of a series and hopefully, you know, if it gets big enough, it'll be its own TV show. Good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> Stefan Jefferson joining us here on NSN Daily. We'll have much more coming up after the break. It is Friday, and that means our Dollar Loan Center Money Play of the Week. Sometimes it's a, a great gesture, but this time around, it is an actual play. Brent Richards, who, uh, you know, if, if you were to put up a Mount Rushmore, Reno 1868 FC faces, uh, you've you, you got to put him on there. I mean, he's one of those guys that's, that's been there through, uh, through the whole thing. Um, ends up with the goal that uh, knocked out the, uh, the Las Vegas lights, and uh, that's our Dollar Loan Center Money Play of the Week, you know. Alex, uh, the lights, yeah, the lights have just not come on any time that they've played Reno 1868. No, Reno's definitely had their number, and, and Brett Richards is a, a big reason for that. And that goal was, was pretty sharp. I mean, you look at the set piece from Cristiano Francois, delivered it perfectly into the box, but that, that might have been the, the most uh, impressive finish I think we've seen from Richards in his career. With the way that he was able to elevate up into the air and, and kind of sidekick that, it was almost uh, kind of a side bicycle. Uh, to finish that pass the keeper and, and uh, a big goal down there. And, and that was a really huge uh, uh, trip for Reno 1860. This is not an easy time to go out on the road and to uh, be able to go into two uh, road venues and, and pick up uh, six points is huge. And, and it puts them in a position now in, in first place in their group and, and can really uh, put, put a stranglehold uh, on things here early in the season if they can top Tacoma, which they'll get a chance to do uh, tomorrow night. Uh, Chris, uh, this is not the same team that lost at Sac Republic FC uh, a, a few weeks ago. This is a team that now is starting to look uh, much more sharp. They uh, look like they're getting their legs under them. Um, I, I, I just think that they're, they just needed to really knock the rust off. Yeah, for sure. They definitely looked better their last couple times out, and that's what's uh, to be expected once you do get that kind of warm-up game. They didn't have any preseason or exhibition games like they did at the beginning of the season. In their exhibition game to start the season, they didn't look very good. And then their second game, they came out and really took it to Tacoma. So kind of a similar thing, only this one against Sacramento actually counted. Um, and, you know, Richards has been a stalwart on this team. I mean, he's been absolutely phenomenal, uh, does a lot of great things for the team. Uh, like Alex said, I mean, that goal seems like probably a top five goal just in finishing in, in the franchise's history. I and mean, that was a very difficult goal. Uh, Cristiano Francois has been great since he joined the team. He was actually the one that created that set piece by drawing the penalty and then a great service into the box. And then Richards, you know, not known for his goal scoring, only three goals. Uh, during his fourth season here with Reno 1868 FC, but uh, a tremendous job there. And he was a goal scorer, scorer when he was at Washington uh, and playing there. So obviously is more than capable of finishing, even though that's not his his job uh, here with this year's team and, and the last couple years team. But uh, certainly Reno has is, is put itself in a good position. Uh, you know, in first place in Group A, was able to shake off that Sacramento loss, uh, win some road matches, which is never easy, even if you're 100% fit and right in the middle of the season. And now they get a couple of home matches to try and create some separation between them and the rest of the group A. That's what we're going to be in our final segment. We're not just going to tell you how you can watch Reno 1868's uh, match against uh, the Tacoma Defiance. That's going to be Saturday. Well, we'll tell you when you can watch that. I'm going to put the guys on the spot in the next segment. I'll give them the commercial break to think about it. Who is your Mount Rushmore of Reno 1868? That's going to come up next.
want to thank Cristiano Francois from Reno 1868 for stopping by the show, uh, former Nevada running back. Stefan Jefferson, turned out author and philanthropist. Great to catch up with him as well. Um, set up for the break, guys. Uh, give you the couple of minutes of a commercial break. Yeah, it's just magic of commercial. Um, who is your Reno 1868 FC Mount Rushmore? Uh, Chris, what you, let's have you go first. Okay, uh, I, I wrote mine down. Brent Richards, number one, uh, most starts ever for the team. Uh, been here all four years. Uh, I'm going to do uh, Brian Brown, number two. Uh, you know, no longer with the team, but was a tremendous score with Reno. I'm going to go with Corey Herzog. Uh, maybe not as tenured uh, as some of these other guys, but led the team in goals last year, and he gets a little bit of a bump for winning the NSN virtual beer pong tournament. Uh, and then I'm going to go Ian Russell as well. I know he's not a player, but he is definitely the face of the franchise, so he needs his face on the Mount Rushmore of Reno 1868 FC. Alex is much more uh, knowledgeable about this, so let's see how I did. I, you did great, Chris. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have any issues with your Mount Rushmore. I would have gone the exact same way. I only have one change, so I have Ian Russell, of course. Uh, you know, he has been such an amazing coach to do what he has done in his three seasons, uh, tied for the most wins in the league during that time. Um, to come in as an expansion team and do what he has done has been so impressive. Corey Herzog, I agree with you, uh, giving him the nod on the NSN beer pong. I'm not going to have him on my Mount Rushmore yet, though, even though he did win the beer pong tournament. Instead, I'll have Dane Kelly there. Uh, Dane Kelly, his first season with the team, uh, won the Golden Boot Golden. and really kind of set, set the tone for the franchise, I think, as a, an elite scoring team. So I've got Brian Brown, Dane Kelly, uh, Brent Richards. You mentioned most uh, appearances from any player in 1868 history and and uh, Ian Russell. If I was going to go another honorable mention, I would go Seth Kasipley, uh, who was right behind Brent Richards and prior to this year had been such a mainstay on the team and, and really uh, a, a big part of, of that club. So that, that's good, though. It's good, a good start for, the, for you, Chris. Uh, your soccer knowledge is really coming along. All right, here's how I'm going to massage this. Dane Kelly, Corey Herzog, Brent Richards, and Brian Brown are the four faces. <laughs> Two bronze statues at the bottom of Ian Russell and Eric Edelstein. And it's Edelstein holding up the We Are Reno 1868 FC, having that sign up and declaring the name uh, downtown um, that great day that we announced, we were able to announce uh, basically that the USL soccer uh, was arriving officially in Reno. Um, final 20 seconds here. Alex, it's going to be interesting doing play-by-play -play for this one, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. I can't wait to get back in the booth, myself and Brian Slusser. You can watch live on Nevada Sportsnet and uh, see if Reno can pick it, make it three wins in a row. All right. It'll be Reno and Tacoma right here on NSN, 7.30 p.m. Saturday night. For Alex and Chris, I'm Brian. We'll see you.